0: Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. Here's the word of the Lord. It says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, "'Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting.' And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, "'Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision.' I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow, And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march until Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Let us pray. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have inspired it and that You have preserved it for us, for our benefit, for our life, and for our godliness. We pray that Your Spirit would do just great work in our hearts and in our lives through Your Word this morning. We are are depending upon You for this, God. Please do it. In Jesus' name, Amen. So maybe you've read the, the U.S. Constitution um, you, you, there's probably been, you've probably heard a lot about the U.S. Constitution lately. You've probably heard the words U.S. Constitution more in the year 2020 than you'd heard, you know, for quite a few years previously. U.S. Constitution gets talked about a lot. I wonder, though, sometimes, who among us have actually read it, uh, um, I, or if we did read it, it was probably in high school, right? And we read it the same way we read King Lear, or we read, um, you know, Great Expectations or War and Peace. Um, We read it by reading the Cliff Notes, Um, and if you're too young for Cliff Notes, you read it by asking your friend Google what it was about. Um, Google, what is Great Expectations? Um, What is the U.S. Constitution? If you've read the U.S. Constitution, you'd find in it, um, among other things, the, the different positions of the government. The, the executive branch, the legislative branch, the judicial branch you 'd see the different um, um, official positions and you 'd see how they 're elected and why they 're important, how they function that 's what you would see in the u s constitution um, that 's what you 've seen a lot of different nations' constitutions and and that 's kind of what numbers are actually just the first five books of the law that 's kind of what the first five books of the law are. They kind of function like a constitution. Now they're they're worded very differently. The, it comes to us like in stories and and in narrative. It, it comes to us in different ways. But often what we have in the in the first five books of the law is is we have the different leadership positions um, defined, how they how they got those positions and and why they're important and how they function. We we see that and we're going to see it today as well. We're going to see um, a very unique position that God has created. He's going to describe it to us in His Word, and He's going to do it in, in an unusual way. He's going to do it through story. And the position is, is Moses' role as mediator. That's what we're going to see described today. We're going to see Moses' role as mediator. Most of you probably know what a mediator is, or you have have some idea of what it is. A a mediator is someone who, who stands in between two groups of people, and he And he represents both of them to each other. It's it's kind of like if if Pastor Colin and I weren't speaking to each other um, because he did something or said something stupid. And so um, so he's so he has he's not speaking to me. I'm not speaking to him. And so one of you, one one lucky customer, gets to get to be our mediator. And he gets to go to Colin and hear whatever dumb complaint he has, and, and then he gets to come and bring it to me and I can tell him why oh, that's stupid and you know I'm still not talking to him. So he gets to kind of try to bring us together. That's what a mediator does. He represents both sides, it um, serves as a middleman. That's what a mediator does. This is what Moses did for the people of God. And, and this, is what, this is what he did. He, he represented the people to God, and he represented God to the people, and he did this in a way that no one else could. Moses had an a incredibly unique role in this time of, of Old Testament history. Moses had a, a role that um, no one else had. Because, as we'll see, he was given access to God that no one else was given by God's grace. God brought Moses in um, into a relationship that no one else had. And so, what we're going to see today, there's three parts to the story in Numbers chapter 12. We're going to see um, the mediator challenged. We're going to see the mediator defended, and then we're going to see the mediator needed. As we work through uh, the chapter this morning, the, the mediator will be challenged, he will be defended, and then we will see he is desperately needed. So let's look at part one of the sermon. Part one of the chapter. The mediator is challenged. Verses 1 and 2 say, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman who he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? so they 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 they're they're challenging his absolute authority hasn't has he not spoken through us also and 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 the and, and the verse ends very ominously and the lord heard it and 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 when the bible makes a point of the lord hearing something because he hears everything when the bible makes a point of saying the lord heard it it's usually not fun times the lord heard it so okay, so Moses has access to God no one else has, and so Moses is the undisputed leader among the people. I was bummed when Colin was giving the announcement about the mask mandate because he said, "We're at church. We're not going to debate the legality of it." And that was a big part of my sermon. I really wanted to do that. This way. no, um, but you know, uh, but the thing is, in America, we get to debate the legality of something. Uh, many things that our presidents have done. Uh, there's this movie, I, one of my favorite movies is a movie called Lincoln. And it's about how Abraham Lincoln um, gets the 13th Amendment passed. And I mean, he does everything within and slightly outside of his power to get this amendment passed. You could question the legality of what Abraham Lincoln did all day long. I mean, I think we're all thankful he did it. It was a good outcome, uh, but you don't want to see how the sausage is made. It was ugly. It was ugly. And in America, we have we have checks and balances, right? We we have we have things where where the the, the government the, the governor Holcomb issues um, a a um, well not a mask mandate because we can't question that a, a socks on your hand mandate. And so, so the governor says you have to wear socks on your hand. That can be questioned, right? We can. There, there are different branches of the government that can question that. That can that can say that, no, I don't think so. And, it can, and they can go to court. And, and things like that can happen. It's, a, it's open for debate. With Moses, it was not open for debate. Moses spoke. He, he, Moses met with God and then spoke to the people. There was no debate. There were no checks and balances. There were no ways to keep Moses under control. No. No. Moses was the sole authority in the nation of Israel. And his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron don't like that. They think there should be a little bit more checks and balances. In fact, they think they should have equal footing, equal billing, they should have equal power. Has has God really spoken only through Moses? What's the deal? Why don't we get a seat at the table? What's going on here? We deserve just as much as he does. So they're angry about this. And I have to tell you, Because this question comes up later in the chapter, and so this is my, this is my answer to why does Miriam get leprosy at the end of the chapter and Aaron doesn't? That is a very common question when people read this chapter. Here is my answer, and since it is my answer, it is right. Okay, so now here we go. This is, this is why I believe after a week of study, this is why I believe That, that Miriam gets leprosy and Aaron doesn't because Miriam is the one, she is the one doing the, doing all the work here. She is the one bringing the complaint. If you read this chapter in Hebrew and you, and you read that verb spoke in verse one where it says Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, that word spoke is singular and feminine. And what most scholars believe is that the, the narrator is saying Miriam spoke. And, and Aaron was along for the ride. If you read through the first five books of the law, you'll see Aaron's along for the ride far too often in his life. And that, that's probably what's happening here. Aaron is along for the ride. He's guilty by association. He's guilty because um, he is giving support. But Miriam is the one speaking. She's the one bringing the complaint. Which is, which is again, my answer um, for, for why she's the one who gets leprosy. She is, if, if it's Batman and Robin, Miriam's Batman, Aaron's Robin, alright? She's doing the work here. She's not happy, neither one of them are, but Miriam's the one voicing it among the people. She's speaking against Moses, she's going out and about and she's speaking against Moses and, and Aaron is along with her, guilty by association. And now the thing she leads with is very interesting, she, she says, when, to, this is kind of to get the conversation going, but this is not her end goal. She, she opens with, um, Mary, or, or Moses has married a Cushite woman. We, and so what she wants to do is she wants to say, since, I, I believe this is what she's saying, it's something very close to this, since Moses has married a Cushite woman, he can't be trusted to make all the decisions. Obviously, sometimes he makes decisions that aren't the best. Why is it that he has all of the clout, all of the authority? Why is he the head honcho here when, when he's done something at foolish like marry a Cushite woman? Um, now, we don't know. In Exodus, um, Moses' wife, her, her name was Zipporah. Um, and she was um, a Midianite. She, her, her father was actually a, a believer. He was a Midianite priest. Okay, so, so Zipporah comes from a believing family. So this is a really weird complaint. And I think it's kind of like, I really think it's like a smokescreen. Uh, I, I really think Miriam is just saying this because what she wants to do is have some sort of foothold to attack Moses and to challenge his, his sole authority. And so she says she calls Zipporah a Cushite, uh, and 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 so sometimes the Midianites were known as Cushites, and vice versa. The Cushite people would have been darker skinned than the Midianite people. They would have it would have seemed like the Cushites were from farther away. They would have been farther outside the people of Israel. Um, the Midianites were were still very friendly with Israel at this time. And so to call her a Cushite is to probably highlight the fact that she had darker skin. Um, because the the Midianites and the Cushites they 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 intermarried a lot, um, they married each other, and so there were a lot of people who were half Midianite, half Cushite, and so this then this is probably was Zipporah was, and so she looked darker skinned, she looked like she didn't belong, she seemed like she was far away, and so Miriam is just trying to say Moses brought an outsider in, he's he's jeopardizing the the spiritual health of the nation. It's, she's probably saying something along those lines. Now again, this is a flawed argument because Zipporah came from a believing family. Um, She had her son circumcised. I mean, Zipporah was in. She was a believer. She was faithful, fully devoted to God. But I don't think Miriam really cares about all of that. She really just wants some way to point out that Moses makes shady, sketchy decisions sometimes. He doesn't always make the best decisions. And so that gives her a, a foothold to really go after him. And to say, he doesn't deserve sole authority in Israel. He shouldn't have all this authority. Now, Miriam doesn't understand this. And and later on in our chapter, Aaron is going to say, we have have behaved foolishly. Which which means we have have not understood what we have done. We, we, We said something, but we did not understand the implications of it. And I believe him. I really think that that Miriam, this complaint and this thing that Aaron is going along with, I really think that this complaint is something they don't understand the, 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 the full ramifications of what they're saying. They don't understand all of what they're saying. Because when Miriam is speaking against Moses, she is speaking against the role that God has set up. That, that God in His grace and in His wisdom, He has set Moses up. He has given him this unique access. He has, he has set him up as mediator and as sole authority. He's, he's the one who set him up as, as over his house. So, so when she is challenging Moses, I don't know if she understands this fully or not. I don't think she does. She is challenging God Himself. And God's design. There's a, there's, I, I, I didn't read very many sermons about this. I read a lot of sermon titles about this um, chapter. I didn't read very many sermons about this chapter. And a few of them, a few of the sermons I could tell by the title, they wanted to equate Miriam challenging Moses uh, with, with, in the modern day, a person challenging the authority of a pastor. This is nothing like this. I mean, this is, Moses isn't a, a, a pastor equivalent. Moses is, is... When Moses speaks the way God has designed it, Moses is the very Word of God. I don't, I don't open up and speak and then I've, it's just divine oracles. No. This is a very different thing here. This is a very different thing here. I mean, don't challenge me because that's rude and it'll hurt my feelings. Uh, but... There is, I think, a responsibility for you to make sure that I am speaking according to the Word of God. And so, and so there's a different, it's a different thing going on here. When Miriam is questioning Moses, she is, she is outright challenging God's good design, God's Word, and God's grace to His people. And the end of verse 2, and the Lord heard it. Oh, this is not going to end well. The Lord heard it. That brings us to the second part of our story. Part two, the mediator is defended. The mediator is defended. So He's been challenged, and now he's going to be defended. And he's going to be defended by God Himself. Verse three is an interesting verse to me. It says, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Moses was more meek than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And this is interesting to me. Um, I wasn't going to talk about this, but this sermon's going to be way too long anyhow, so what does it really matter? So it, I, I thought it was very interesting that Moses himself probably wrote this verse. That's like if I, you know, sent out an email. Steve is humble. The most humble guy probably in the county. Could be America. And I mean, as far as I know... I've kind of got the the humility thing all sorted out, and everybody else is in second place. And so that's weird for Moses to say this, right? Uh, But it's inspired by God. This is God's definition of Moses. This is God's description of Moses. And so some scholars think that, um, because, you know, the the books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, they also record, like, Moses' death, And so it's possible that someone came by later and said, you know, Moses died, and also Moses was super meek. You know, it's it's possible that like Joshua or somebody like that, when they were compiling these books, added some stuff by God's, still under God's inspiration, of course. But it's also possible that (laughs) this is what Moses was inspired by God, basically against his own will, I mean, you know, against Moses' own will, to write, Either way, this is who Moses was. Moses was very meek. Which meant he was kind. It meant he was patient. It meant he was long suffering. It, mean, it meant he was quick to forgive. It meant he was not quick to defend himself and to fight to the death over some insults. This is the goal. This is the goal. And if you're looking for like practical application for the sermon, here it is right here. This is, this is what we're aiming for in our lives, in our, in our, in our day to day lives. We're looking for what Moses had here. And so Moses' meekness was not just his like his attitude, but it, that that word for meek there in that verse, it also what it also carries with it is this dependence upon God. Not only is it Moses's attitude throughout his life, but it also is is tied very tightly to his faith in God, his dependence upon God. He was meek because he trusted that God would vindicate him, God would protect him. If if Moses needed to be vindicated and honored and protected and defended, God would do it he trusted in God perhaps this reminds you of someone else who when he was reviled did not revile in return which means which means when when he was insulted abusively insulted and slandered he didn't insult in return when he suffered he did not threaten but continued to entrust himself in the one who judges justly Moses reminds us here of our mediator, doesn't he? Moses reminds us here of Jesus. This is the goal. My goal, my, my, something I talk to myself a lot. And, and if you're someone like me, you've got to keep reminding yourself of stuff or it should get derailed quickly. I say, Steve, because that's, that's, that's my name so I know who I'm talking to. I say, Steve, you need to be honorable without craving honor. If you live for the honor of other people, you're going to get derailed so fast. You need to be a respectable person without living and dying on other people's respect. I want you to respect me. I want you to think of me as an honorable person. But if that's my end goal in life, if my emotional well-being goes up and down based on what, what you say about me, It's going to be really hard for me to to love my family well, to lead a church well. It's going to be very hard for me to do that, to have the courage and the honesty that I need, to have the compassion that I need, the the clear-headedness that I need. Moses was an honorable person without living and dying on on whether someone was honoring him or not. Moses was going to be faithful. He was going to um, be He was going to be respectable without making an idol out of people's respect. Without craving accolade, craving vindication. This is the goal for us. Moses doesn't defend himself here. He doesn't even take this complaint to God. Last chapter, when the people had a complaint, he talked to God about it. This time when the people have a complaint, it's against him, he doesn't even mention it. And he doesn't need to because God indeed is going to defend him. Starting in verse 4. This is not a meeting I would want to be in. And suddenly the Lord said to to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting. Meet me at the tabernacle. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron, Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. Oh. And he said, hear my words. And so now what he's going to do is he's actually going to speak to them in poetry. He's going to speak to them in poetry. Verses six through eight is a, is a poem that God, God says to them. And the, and the central, the, like, the, like the big point of the poem comes in verse seven. We'll see We'll see that. This is, this is the thrust of the poem. He says, Hear my words, verse 6. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. And then God says, Why then were you not afraid? Speak against my servant Moses. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. And that verse 9, the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. If a sovereign monarch turns his back and walks away from you, this is again, this is not good. God is trying to get Miriam and Aaron to understand. There is a huge difference between Moses and, and the other prophets. It is true that there are ways in which Miriam and Aaron served as prophets. They both had prophetic roles. They both, God, God did speak to them for, um, for the people. It's, it is true that they delivered the word of God. It, it, but God says it's a, there's a huge difference. With the prophets, I, I speak to them in a vision or I, I speak to them in a dream. I, I just kind of give them the message and then they Give it to the people. It's different with Moses. Again, I'm on this like US government kick today. I don't really know why, but I, I, it, it's the difference. I, I heard this this week while I was studying, um, and I thought it was really helpful. It's the difference between a secretary of state and a press secretary. A press secretary. They speak with authority because they, they get the word from the administration and then they deliver it to the people. That's, that's what they do. And so what they say does carry weight. It does carry authority. But it's very different from a Secretary of State. God says, God, God says I've brought Moses in on the conversation. The Secretary of State gets to, gets to have input. It gets, to, gets to share what they think. Gets, I mean, there's a huge difference. And so when they... When they speak, it's with way more authority because they were in the room when the policy was made. They were in the conversation when the deci- decision was made. And this does not for a second take away from God's ultimate authority. God is the one who, in the first place, has allowed Moses this kind of access. God is the one who, in the first place, has decided that He will, he will bring Moses in on the conversation. So God has the ultimate authority. And so every decision is God's and God's alone. But, the relationship that Moses has with God, he speaks to him. He he, he has conversation with him. Moses says one thing and God says another. And Moses says one thing and God says another. They they, they speak with each other. Very different than with a prophet who just gets the word and just has to say it. And so the authority is incredibly different. He's the servant over all the house. I mean, the, the, the... the master of the house, he wouldn't have daily conversations with all of the servants. But he would have daily conversations with the servant who is over all the house. The master still has all the authority. He has all the decision making. But, but the, the servant who's over all the house comes and says, here's what we're dealing with. Here's, here are the issues. Here's what I, here's, here's what I'd like you to address. He, he gets the be in on the conversation. And so he has way more authority. And so, and so since God, in His good, in his good design, in his, in his perfect wisdom, has set Moses up like this and said, and said you can be the, the, the person who represents the people. You can come to me and we will talk. You, God, in His grace, is giving Moses this kind of access. Miriam has wh- why why, Miriam and Aaron, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant moses don 't you understand what you 're doing? Not only is it challenging the, the the will and the power and the authority of God, but it 's also challenging the grace of God it 's it's, it's, it's cutting off the lifeline that God has given his people. Can you imagine if you were on a, a ship and you fell over because somebody pushed you or something and so you fell overboard and and you're not a good swimmer and it was arctic water and there were sharks there like arctic sharks i guess i don't know and there was just and it was a dangerous situation and you were going to die of hypothermia if that's possible in like 30 seconds and the sharks were going to eat your frozen body and it, it was going to be like ice cream to them and, and it was great and and so you've got and so the so so the, they throw you a line they throw you a lifeline but you're like you know what i don't really like that lifeline that probably is going to burn my hands. I don't really like the person who threw it. I, don't, I, I didn't choose that person to throw me this lifeline. And why did they throw it to my left side? I'm right-handed. That's what Miriam is doing here. She's saying, I don't like the way God has give, graciously given his people a lifeline. I don't like it. Get it away from me. She's going to see in a second that not only is the mediator challenged and not only has God defended the mediator, but the mediator is needed. That's part three of our sermon. The mediator is needed. Again, starting in verse 9, the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and He departed. This is not good. Verse 10, when the cloud removed from over the tent presence of the Lord departed from this meeting. This meeting was over. God left the meeting. Behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. God has given her a a skin disease. a, A skin disease that could end her life. It could be the end of her. And Aaron turned toward Miriam and behold, she was leprous. They God has given her a skin disease that, that, that at the least, what it means is that she is now completely removed from the people of God. She, she cannot be with her husband. She cannot be with her family. She cannot gather at the tabernacle. She cannot be with the people of God. She's gonna be an outsider now. For as long as she has this skin disease, and it could be chronic. If God doesn't heal her, this could just be something that she has now perpetually for the rest of her life. This is why in verse 11 Aaron says to Moses, "Oh my Lord, do not punish us." And it's very interesting. That now, now he's very deferential, isn't he? Now he's now he's very humble. Now he's calling M- Moses uh, Lord, master. Actually, you are in charge. This is good. Let's talk. Yeah. Do not punish us because we have done foolishly. We we didn't understand. And I I kind of, I actually believe Aaron here. I don't think that they had thought through what they were saying. Either way, though, he understands we have sinned. We have sinned. We have have sinned against God. Verse 12, let her not, and this this is a very difficult image. This is a very. Um, this is a very disturbing image. Very uncomfortable. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. He's talking about a, a stillborn baby. Aaron, Aaron is saying, Miriam, if this, if this is just what she has now, she will eventually just die from this. Please, please take this leprosy away from her. This, this mediator that they've been undermining now, They desperately need him. Moses is their only hope. What will meek Moses do? What will kind Moses do? He could let his accuser suffer. He could! Or he could be kind and beg for her to be healed. He chooses to be kind. Verse 13, and Moses cried to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. Please. And there is like a, there's a, there, there, there is a desperation in the way that this is worded. There's passion in the way this is worded. Moses is not just, eh, okay. God, you know what's going on. Probably should heal him. Next time though, no. next time give it, give it to him, God. That's not the way Moses is doing this. He is crying out to the Lord in humility and in mercy and in compassion and in desperation. Oh God, please heal her. Please. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So this is a weird, there's a few just weird things. Um, in this chapter, right and there 's been a few weird things in almost every numbers chapter so far, so that doesn 't surprise us, but this is a weird thing. if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days and so if you study um, and i don 't expect you to do this, but if you study like ancient Near East literature and history you wouldn 't find this custom like most like Bible commentators they, they don 't know exactly where this you know, what, what he's referring to there. But, it's, but it seems like there's some sort of custom in that time where if a daughter, and maybe a son, I don't know, but at least a daughter, um, did something that was foolish and disobedient, but, but didn't deserve harsh punishment. Because fathers back then could bring harsh punishment to their daughters, like severe punishment to their daughters. I mean, if you read through the book of Leviticus, you see there's a, there's a lot of ways where punishment um, can... I mean, it can be severe, right? This, though, is some sort of downgraded punishment. It's if, it's if you know, um, Abby did something and she didn't deserve to be kicked out of the house and she didn't deserve to, you know, have this big harsh punishment, she deserved, but she did, it was important that she know that what she did was disgraceful and wrong, and she should never do it again, then I would just spit in her face. Uh, it's Bible. Where are you at, Abs? Um We could do a, we could do an illustration, a demonstration. No, no, no. Actually, if you just sit in the front row, it's possible. This is, this might have already happened to you. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm exempt, Stan. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm giving a speech right now. Hmm. And so, but this, what, this is, it, it, it's weird. It's weirdly worded. This is God's mercy. This is God saying, I'm not going to treat her harshly. I'm not going to. It also means that she was healed like this. Well, oh, that wasn't a very loud snap. That she was healed like this. There we go. Thank you. Because it would take seven days for her to go through this purification process. If she was healed right right away from leprosy, it would still take seven days outside the camp, um, Leviticus teaches us, for this for the purification. After she's been diagnosed with with this skin disease, and then she's healed from the skin disease, she still has to be outside the camp seven days. And so this is God just being kind. It's weird. But it's God being kind. It's God listening to the mediator, Moses, and saying, okay. Okay. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. God heals Miriam... Because this mediator that they've that they've been undermining, that they've been challenging, that they've been saying, he's no big deal, we don't really need him, what's going on here? This mediator stepped in on her behalf and and plead, pled, pleaded with God to heal her. Moses. Is the mediator who was challenged. He was the mediator who was defended, and he was the mediator who was desperately needed. Miriam and Aaron aren't the only ones who need a mediator. The, this, this little segment of the constitution here, Numbers chapter twelve, was written. To help us to understand, it was written for many reasons. This is not the only reason it was b- written, but it was it was one of the main reasons it was written, was to help us to understand just how wonderful Jesus is. How wonderful our mediator Jesus is. Um, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, is going to quote this chapter from Numbers. And Hebrews chapter 3 says. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. And again, that's not saying Moses is nothing. This is talking about how wonderful Jesus is. This is not diminishing Moses whatsoever. This is talking about how wonderful Jesus is. Jesus has been counted counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor, honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are His house if indeed we hold fast our our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Jesus Christ is our mediator and He's far greater than Moses. Moses served in the house. He was part of the house. Jesus built The house. Jesus, Colossians says, created the world. And and Jesus created, he founded the church. Moses saw the form of God in a way that no one else did. Moses, he didn't see God because you couldn't see God and live. But Moses saw the form of God in a way that no one else did. In the Old Testament, Jesus, Philippians teaches us, was the form of God. He came in the form of God. Moses heard the Word of God in a way that no one else did. Jesus, John teaches us, is the Word of God. Moses, in the Old Testament, was the poster boy for meekness. No one else on the earth was as meek as Moses. But Jesus eclipses him in meekness as well. First Peter teaches us that Jesus Christ By his wounds I have been healed for you and I were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Have you believed this about Jesus? Have you believed that Jesus himself Who you have and I have tried to speak against, tried to live without, tried to dethrone, tried to reject. Have you believed that that Jesus, that Jesus who gets openly mocked everywhere you turn, He is openly mocked everywhere you turn. No one is worthy of more glory and no one is insulted more. Have you believed that that Jesus bore your sins in his body on the tree? He did. Have you believed that? Keep believing that. Hebrews says, make that your confidence, make that your boast, make that your hope, hold fast to the gospel. That'll help us. That'll help us because we, it's hard for us. It's hard for us to, to want to live lives that are honorable. But still not making idolatry out of honor. It's, it's hard for us to, to be patient and kind when we are falsely accused or when we are misunderstood or when we are spoken against. It's hard for us not to just, just go and, and, and just really want to straighten everybody out and make sure that we get vindicated and we get the respect we deserve. It's hard for us. We, and, and not only just in big things, but in our day to day life, we always have this, this, this back of our mind craving To have people understand us and, and have people respect us and know where we're coming from and know why we're valued, know why we're valid. Jesus still hasn't been fully vindicated, so we're not going to be either. But we can look to his example. And remember that when he was reviled, when he was insulted, egregiously, abusively insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. One day, the one who judges justly is going to judge justly. This helps us. Jesus' example helps us. And then far more than that, Jesus' saving power helps us. By His grace, He gives us His Spirit so that we can have the fruit of the Spirit. We can be humble, patient people. We We can, by God's grace, we can entrust ourselves to the One who judges justly. Our mediator has been challenged. And will continue to be challenged. Our mediator has been defended. We saw our mediator defended when God rose, raised him from the dead. Grammar's not my thing this morning. When God raised Jesus from the dead, God defended and vindicated and honored his son. And when God set Jesus, his right hand, God honored and vindicated him. And one day, complete vindication, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And it will not be with profanity. It will not be in mockery. It will not be for comedy's sake. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus bore our sins in His body on the tree. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would drive the truth of the gospel into our hearts. That we would be inspired by the, by the courageous meekness of Moses. More than that, we would be inspired and our affections would be stirred by the, by the courageous meekness of Jesus. And then by your spirit, we would continue to by Your Spirit, by Your grace, to pursue meekness in our everyday lives for Your glory. And that we would wait to be vindicated. We would wait. We would let You handle all of that in Your good time. We thank You for Your grace. In Christ's name, Amen.